Good morning. I'd love for you now to take your Bibles, and we're going to be turning together again to the book of Acts, and we're looking today at chapter 27, looking beginning at verse 39 onwards into the final chapter, uh, chapter 28 and verse 6. The Apostle Paul has been on a, a voyage, and the voyage now involves a shipwreck. It's been 2,250 miles worth of travel that this voyage entails. It's been long, it's been hard, it's been wearying. And now they're entering into this time period on the calendar in which the Mediterranean seas become tumultuous, the skies become darkened, and when the mist forms, the fog overtakes the, uh, uh, the ability to be able to see. Day and night just seem to merge into one sense of the unseen. And he might, as he looks back upon a promise that had been given to him in Acts chapter 23 and in verse 11, where God had said, Take courage, for you have, as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome he would begin to ponder the fact that, yes, God made a promise that he would get to Rome, but he gave no information as to what it was going to take to get to Rome. And for a lot of us this morning, we've dealt with similar type issues. We embrace the promise, but at the same time, we're given a lack of information with regard to what we're about to go through to get to where we need to go in life. As I penned in our inserts this week, it serves as a fresh reminder that when facing trials, God's purposes might be, might be unknown to us. And God does not owe us explanations. But we owe God our trust. And that is going to be something that is going to have to be embraced in these verses. It's now you pick it up, you see, in verse 39. And now when it was day and they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors, left, left them in the sea, at the same time, loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. And the bow, stuck, remained unmovable. Stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. And the rest on planks were on pieces of the ship. So it was that all were brought safely to land. 
And after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire, welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and it was cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. And though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire, suffered no harm, and they were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time, saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds, said he was a god. What do we make of all this? Let's look to our Lord in prayer. Our Father, what we're asking is that we build a bridge from what took place in Paul's day to where we are living today. Build a bridge from the text we are covering today to the lives that we live each and every day. Want it to be relevant. We want to allow truth to work in us so that it can work through us, make a difference in the lives of those around us. We see a man who's encountering trial after trial after trial. He'd been given a promise, been given a destination. He wasn't told what it was going to take to get there. And Father, we have the assurance that comes with your promises. So often we lack explanations as to why we're going through what we're going through in order to see the promises fulfilled. Fresh reminder, we don't put our faith and trust in explanations. We put our faith and trust in you. And so, Father, this morning what we're asking is that you'll speak to the heart of the one who lives and dies for explanations. And their expectations are based upon explanations. Father, what we're asking is that you'll speak to hearts, stir hearts. The person that's dealing with the whys of life might find that explanations aren't given this side of heaven. But we know if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, our destination. And you take us through the issues of life to get us to where we need to be. Speak to hearts. For the one that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that you're going to stir the heart powerfully. They're going to cross that threshold into moving from darkness into light. For the one that knows you, we're here for a purpose. Not to become consumers of your word, but rather to be multipliers. Multiplying followers of Jesus Christ. 
taking truth into next generations. So these moments are important as we deal with reality and the challenges that come our way. Warm these hearts. Engage these minds. Shape these wills. As again, our Father, we've come here to see Jesus and Him only. We'll pray these things again now in Jesus' name. Amen. Shackleton again, who was an explorer, 1874 through 1922. And he placed this advertisement in the London newspapers in 1900 in preparation for his Antarctic expedition. And these words have always stood out to me. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return and doubt, honor and recognition in case of success. There's a winning formula for you. But then this is what he writes. It seemed as though all the men in Great Britain were determined to accompany me. The response was so overwhelming. It was going to be exactly as he thought. It was going to be hazardous. It was going to be challenging. It was going to be difficult like many of the experiences that you might have, in fact, had to address in your life. Shackleton made his way northward and then opposite direction, southward. Paul, on the other hand, is making his way through the Mediterranean, so we need to get our bearings and take a look at what we got here. And so there you have... And as you're looking at what's showing up now upon the screen, what you and I see at this point is that here's a map in which Paul has made his way, you see, from Caesarea. And now as he makes his way, and they're hugging the shorelines of what's now known as modern-day Turkey, because this was an agricultural ship. And most of the people lived in agricultural communities and were threatened by the waters. And they are carting, you see, uh, grains from Egypt. And so it's an Alexandrian ship from Alexandria, and it makes its way around the bend, and now Paul and company are on board the ship. And as they continue on, they reach this point beyond Crete where the storms have caused the ship to lose control and wander in the sea for two weeks day and night, night and day, darkness followed by more darkness, followed by more darkness. And now you are reaching that point on the calendar, the point in which sailors would typically dread. November 11th seems to be a turning point on the Mediterranean where most travel would cease and people would seek out harbors, settings, of safety, but at this point there's no harbor thus far. Where do you go from here? They make their way onwards and in the course of it all, they make their way towards what's known as today as modern day Malta, a stunning island. 
But what I want to do with you at this point is simply draw out three life situations that are found in these verses that force you, force me to continue to trust in God, even in the midst of these challenging life situations that we place, are placed in. And the first comes out of verse 1, excuse me, verse 39 through verse 41. And we're going to phrase it like this, that as the trials of life intensify, keep trusting God whenever unfamiliar settings are being encountered and we've been in such. I'm standing in the lobby of one of Milwaukee's hospitals and somebody comes in and they're quickly making their way to the ICU trying to find their way intensive care they do what you would expect them to do they try to find their way to the to the information center so they'll be able to navigate the hallways what I want you to be able to see here now is that Paul seems to be lacking information with regard to why they're going through what they're going through, but he's going to trust God. And when you are lacking information with regard to answers to the whys of life, you're going to have to trust God regarding the promises pertaining to life. And so you pick it up now in this Acts chapter 27, verse 39, down through verse 41. And now when it was day, but it might be still dark even though it's day, they did not recognize, they did not recognize the land. It's unfamiliar. Never been there before. Maybe you've been in situations seems so unfamiliar. But they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. In other words, they were preparing for damage control. You ever done that in life? Making their way through the waters, but being as it is in life, they're going to have to prep themselves internally as well as externally for damage control. Ships made its way through the waters. The question is now, how is the ship going to handle itself as it makes its way toward land? And what do you do under such situations where it seems as though you're going to have to prep yourself for the damage control of life? It's June 25th. It was 1865 when Hudson Taylor, at the age of 33, was facing one of the critical issues, crisis of his life. So there he stood on a beach south coast of England before morning worship services, quiet morning. Biographer tells us he took a step of faith in response to a biblical principle that he had discovered. 
truth that he says had so long eluded him. Quote, if we are trusting in the Lord, the responsibility for life rests with him, not with us. Let me say it again. If we are trusting in the Lord, the responsibility for life rests with him, not with us. You can set yourself up for endless preparations for life with family, with children, and the likes. In the end, you're going to have to entrust them, trust the plans, trust the preparations to the Lord, and then the responsibility rests with him, not with us. Once he embraced that principle, we're told that months of struggle were over and the way ahead became clear to trust in the Lord, to be faithful to his word. This wasn't rash. So throwing human caution and tradition to the wind, Hudson Taylor then formed the China Inland Mission and headed out overseas. You're up to verse 40 at this point now. And so in this, in this 27th chapter of Acts, in verse 40, they cast off the anchors. There they go. Anchors are a form of stability. Anchors are a form of security. The anchors were positioned to be able to allow for the ship to be able to maintain sense, a sense of equilibrium in the midst of the rocking waves. They're letting go of the security and the stability that those anchors represented. You ever been there? Left them in the sea. And at the same time, loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Now it's going to be all about what the wind will or will not do. Will work for them? Will work against them? And then hoisting the foresail to the wind. And remember now, agricultural ships were one-mast vehicles. It's all about the wind at this point. They made their way for the beach. Now you're dealing with the natural elements of life. The unpredictabilities of the give and the take of life. What will the wind do? Okay, they have set their minds to the fact that we're going to have to do damage control. We're going to force ourselves inland. Anchors are now at sea. The wind is going to do what the wind is going to do. Striking a reef. Notice the word striking. Doesn't carry with it the idea of easing oneself in, does it? No, 
carries with the sense of abrupt force. Striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. Get a sense now of this ship they've been on. They've been in the storm for 14 days. What do they have left inside? And for some of us, maybe we're asking ourselves occasionally, what do I've got left to get me through? Okay, the storm is dissipating, but I still have got this forced landing. And I've got to live life. Striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. Feel the aggressiveness there? There's the striking on one hand. There's this running the vessel aground on the other hand. Get a sense of this ship. The bow, that's the front portion, stuck. Remained immovable. Meanwhile, the stern, back part, broken up by the surf. Now the waves are crashing back and forth. And for those that perhaps have that sense of I can't swim. What are they thinking? And for those that can swim, then the question is, okay, do I have what it takes to get from where I am to where I need to be? You ever been there? You need to take a look at this harbor. And so there you have as your now, looking at, at Malta, because that is the place, in fact, where, where they are. Valletta, here's the harbor. Valletta, capital to this day, about 14,000 people. It's a small island. Here's the harbor. See the rugged terrain? How, then, do you ease yourself in? You don't. This is going to be a case where you're going to run the ship ashore. Fourteen days, you're on this vessel being rocked by the surf. Now you're going to have to handle the turf. And as you're making your way in, the question is not merely what have we endured, but the question is now what will we endure And how do we get ourselves from the ship? To the land. We've got a disabled ship here. You know what this ship is known, what it's entitled, what it's called today? What this uh, island, what this bay, in fact, is called? The bay is called St. Paul's Bay. And if you're making a journey following the footsteps of the Apostle Paul, and as you make your way, and you are south of Sicily at this point, which is south of of the mainland of of Italy, you you are here at Malta. 
And it's there where stories have been told and memories have been, have been created with regard to what happened at that harbor. And likewise, when it comes to the trials you faced in your life, there is a dynamic between trust and trials. The trials God permits and the trust you place in God in the midst of the trials of life. And so that dynamic is at work here, and so they're tossed by the storm in the midst of the night, day, night, 14 days, 14 nights. And now, if you've been dreaming of finding your way to land, lo and behold, this is a forced landing. And isn't it interesting that this is known as St. Paul's Bay? Not where there was smooth landing, but where there was a forced landing. Where a ship was not eased in, but rather the ship was disabled as it made its way in. As it's wedged now in the sandbar. Okay. As the trials of life intensify, keep trusting God. Number one, whenever unfamiliar settings are being encountered, times of life where you've said never been there before, never experienced this before, never thought I would encounter this before, always thought it happened to someone but not at me. Paul was never given the luxury of thinking that way. Life's meant to be lived. And life is meant to be lived for God. So you're on now to the second of these three life situations that demand trust in the midst of trials. We said the first was to keep trusting even or whenever unfamiliar settings are being in and maybe that unfamiliar setting is some unknown hospital, some new job, some confusing relationship, some challenging decision where you're dealing with people that you never thought you'd have to be dealing with before. And it seems so unfamiliar, but I want to tell you, unfamiliar to you, completely familiar to God. Here's your second. As the trials of life intensify, keep trusting God. Whenever threatening plans are being considered, the soldiers have a plan. You're up to verse 42. And in verse 42 here at this point, you and I are told the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. We've got a problem here. Hadn't God said in Acts chapter 23, verse 11 to Paul while he was incarcerated in Caesarea, take courage, 
For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. God's plan is for Paul to be in Rome. Paul is a prisoner. The soldier's plan is that Paul is not going to get to Rome because they're concerned that some of the prisoners are going to flee. So all the prisoners, including Paul now, will be put to death. So now we've got a conflict of plans. And who is in control in the midst of all this becomes the question of the hour. The challenge for the soldiers is this. They knew that if prisoners escaped, they would lose their lives when they got to Rome. They want to get to Rome. They just don't want their prisoners to get to Rome under those circumstances. They'll just have them put to death. But now what we're seeing here is a conflict between their plans and God's plans, what I'll call lowercase planning and uppercase planning, who's in charge. Isn't this amazing what comes next? You're up to verse 43. But, there's that classic word again in the Bible. When everything seems to be going wrong, such as all seems lost, but God demonstrated his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul would write to the Romans in roughly about A.D. 57, and now we're in A.D. 60. But the centurion wishing to save Paul kept them from carrying out their plan. In other words, due to the influence of one man, the Apostle Paul, God works in the heart of this unbelieving centurion named Julius to protect all the others on this ship. And this is the impact that one person can have upon the life of others. Paul impacts the unbelieving Julius, the centurion. The centurion then makes a decision that runs counter to those that he's supervising, the soldiers. The soldiers, in turn, are thwarted from carrying out their plan, and God is sovereign in the midst of all this, you see. Just as in the day when Caesar Augustus, when Caesar Augustus issued a decree sending people back to their home turfs, so that a promise was made eight centuries prior in the book of Micah that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, God worked in the mindset of an unbelieving leader for all this to take place. Now, in the very same vein, notice how God uses a singular person to have high impact in protecting the lives of so many as Paul influences the centurion. Centurion makes a decision that runs counter to those he's supervising, the soldiers. The soldiers, in turn, are going to have to follow his instructions. And God is in charge. And God reigns. And you're awed as you watch how these dynamics are working themselves out. 
The soldiers' plan in 42 was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away, escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. And in the process, they are carrying out God's plan by protecting Paul and the prisoners because Paul witnessed to them by saying what God had said to him. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Acts chapter 27, verse 24. And then he would look out over the passengers on the ship and say, So take heart, for I have faith in God. It'll be exactly as I have been told. And now God's plans supersede the soldiers' plans. And it's exactly what God said. There's your God. But how are we going to get these people ashore? He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first. Make the land. Now the soldiers are probably saying to themselves, but what if they escape? The rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And now this is what I want you to ponder. God is sovereign over this disabled ship. The ship that protected them in the waters. It's now broken up so that the planks of the ship are the means that God uses to bring the remaining people ashore. He used the ship when it was secured in one piece, and now he uses the ship which is disabled and broken in many pieces. And the protective element remains. So much so that you get now to verse 44. And read at the very end of that verse, and so it was, that all were brought safely to land. You see. You're with me. We've been following the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. We are now at St. Paul's Bay on the stunning island of Malta. And your tour guide says, look. And you look upward. And lo and behold, there in St. Paul's Bay, at the entrance, is this statue for the, Saint, for the Apostle Paul. A close-up and a, then a more distant view. And now what we have is the example of how one man, the Apostle Paul, was used by God to impact the unbelieving leader, Julius the Centurion, to withstand the plans of the soldiers so that everybody would be brought in and that ship that protected them in the midst of the waters is now disabled, broken up, and becomes the means by which they are brought into the land. Isn't that your God? You see? 
sovereign over it all. You take a deep breath and you say, I've made it. But let me ask you, have you? You know, Paul's not in Rome yet. You know, we're not in heaven yet. There's more to come here. Because back to the text and thirdly, what I want you to be able to see with me here is that as the trials of life intensify, keep trusting God. Thirdly now, whenever false assumptions are being developed. Now what I want you to do with me, if you would, now look at your Bible or if you're using a device, link together verse 44 in the beginning of verse 1 of chapter 28. Because verse 44 of Acts 27 reads, And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Circle the word to. In chapter 28, verse 1, after we were brought safely through. Circle the word through. Draw a line. The God that sees you through is the God that sees you too. The God that sees you through is the God that sees you too. Sometimes the through seems so long, so dark, so challenging. But now we're moving from surf to turf, aren't we? And you say, man, the surf was rough. So good to be on solid ground. But there's more. Isn't there always? We learn that the island was called Malta. Phoenician word carries with the idea of refuge. Malta. Let's take a look at the harbor. It's the way it looks today. You're reflecting upon this place that brought this, uh, these 276 people on land. What kind of reception are they going to experience? You've probably wondered that whenever you've gone into new settings visiting a church, first time. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire, welcomed us all, you see. Malta, first nation in Europe to, at least in a formality sense of the word, embrace Christianity. Malta, 1964, and gained independence from Great Britain, they still drive on the opposite side of the road, you see. Watch yourself when you're crossing the street. Malta. And when Paul had gathered a bunch, a bundle of sticks, you see, he's got what it takes to keep on keeping on because now he's got to be involved in assisting and 
developing a fire to keep everybody warm. We're entering to that time of the year on the Mediterranean, you see. A viper came out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now, you know Paul. He's your buddy. And Paul is saying, you've got to be kidding. After what I've gone through, I now have to go through this? Now you've moved from surf to turf, but the trials remain. What I want to say to you is you've got to keep on living. Living for Christ. And if you walked into the Louvre, you'd be able to see this painting. It's St. Paul bitten by a viper. By Devas. And so the tour guide in the Louvre would have you pause and tell the story. But you know the text. And you can do better than the tour guide in telling them that God was sovereign over the ship when it was intact as well as when it was broken down. The people came ashore and lo and behold, right when you think your trials have ended, you got trials on land, whether it be surf or turf. And you're saying, how do I keep on keeping on? Back to the text. And as you go back to the text, ponder this. World-renowned violinist, Itzhak Perlman, stricken with polio, child, known to wear braces on both legs, walking with the aid of crutches. At concerts, getting on stage, no small achievement for him. Slowly crossing the stage till he reaches the chair, lays his crutches on the floor, undoes the clasps on his legs, tucks one foot back, extends the other foot forward, Bends down, picks up the violin, puts it under his chin. Such an ordeal, just getting there. And then nods to the conductor. It's time to play. 1995. He's performing in Lincoln Center in New York. And right when you think that just getting there was enough. Something more happens. Jack Reimer, columnist, Houston Chronicle, describes the scene. Just as he finished the first few bars, one of the strings on his violin broke. Man, you could hear it snap. Went off like gunfire. No mistaking what that meant. Assumptions now. No mistaking what he had to do. People who said that we figured he'd have to get up, either find another violin, find another string for this one, but he didn't. He didn't. Instead, he waited a moment, closed his eyes, then signaled the conductor to begin again in the orchestra, and he played from where he had left off, and he played with passion, he played with power, he played with vigor. And of course, it's in 
impossible to play a symphonic work with just three strings, right? But that night, Perlman refused to know that. And the writer tells us, you could see him modulate, change, recompose the piece in his head. At one point, it sounded like he was detuning the strings to get new sounds they had never made before. That's you. When the strings of life break, adjust, create new sounds, bring music to God's glory. And people are stunned how you handle the adversities and you do it for the Lord, you see. Well, assumptions. They're always out there, aren't they? Appearances that lead to assumptions. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, here's the assumption here, no doubt this man is a murderer. You see. And though he had escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live, they're saying. What's interesting to me is that in that culture, there was a Greek goddess known as Justice who dealt with those who were treacherous on the seas. They made an assumption. But now the reality strikes. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire, suffered no harm. And they were waiting. They're waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they're about to do a 180. Changed their minds and said he was a god. What I'm saying here is that they've now created an on-ramp for Paul. They've demonstrated they have a form of spirituality. Now they need to know truth. And God is using Paul to deliver truth. And what kind of impact does that have? If you were to go with me to Malta, check out this church. And if you want to come up with a name for a church, can't do better than this. Because the name of this church is St. Paul's Shipwreck Church. And when you and I are walking Malta, we've got a story to tell. The story of how the ministry of Paul creates a memory of the way in which God is sovereign, whether the ship is intact or broken. God reigns. Let's stand together. Father, 
seems like right when we think we are past the point of adversity, something new happens. Bring us to the cross. Remind us, Father, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And the one who is sovereign over Paul's ship was sovereign over Christ's tomb. For three days later, he was raised from the grave, validating that he truly is second one, second person of the Trinity. Our salvation is in him and him alone. So we thank you now, Father, for being the sovereign God who reigns, who guides, directs, May we now take these life situations, connect them to where we're at today, and make a difference in the lives around us. All for God's glory. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.